to Today on Broadway for Friday, June 26, 2020. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. As of today, Mr. Robbie Rozelle's live debut album, Songs from Inside My Locker, is now available from Broadway Records. If you listened to yesterday's full show, you heard my interview with him, as well as a sneak preview of his cover of Bill Finn's I Have Found. (sighs) Always a delight. One of the many songs, or I guess three and a half songs of the album that made me cry. I couldn't be prouder of him for this just beautiful, fun, funny, sentimental record. So please treat yourself and check that out today. I'm obviously here solo as Matt's preoccupied. I have had some technical issues today, most of the day that has also kept me from having a co-host despite having a good amount of news. Because of those aforementioned issues, I was actually supposed to have an interview today with playwright MJ Kaufman about their play Masculinity Max. That will be part of Playbill's Pride Plays lineup. That interview, unfortunately, didn't happen, though I am still hoping to get a chance to talk to them soon regardless. It's just an excellent and very funny play on identity and toxic masculinity. That's going to stream on Playbill at 7 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow, June 27th, and will star Ty Defoe, Theo Germain, David Greenspan, Judy Gold, Jason Butler-Harner, Esco Julie, Francis Jew, and more. Be sure to check that out as well. And of course, before we head into the news, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon to back us if you haven't already and are able to do so. On the back of the news from yesterday regarding the Music Man pushing its opening date to the spring, on Thursday we received news that two other shows that were scheduled to open this past spring would be going that route as well, as both Tracy Letts's The Minutes and David Mamet's American Buffalo have set new Broadway dates. The Steppenwolf Theater production of The Minutes, which was set to officially open March 15th, actually played its final performance on March 11th while still in previews. Directed by Anna D. Shapiro and starring Letts, Ian Barford, Blair Brown, Cliff Chamberlain, K. Todd Freeman, Army Hammer, Jesse Mueller, and more, the play will return to Broadway the week of March 1st, 2021, and will officially open March 15th, 2021, exactly one year after its originally planned opening date. That is at the Court Theater, at least pre-shut down. We haven't heard any news whether it's going to change theaters or not, but as of now, it is at the Court. Then over at Circle in the Square, Mammoth's American Buffalo, starring Lawrence Fishburne, Sam Rockwell, and Darren Criss, was originally set to begin performances March 24th. It will now begin the week of March 22nd, 2021, with an official opening of April 14th, also one year after its originally scheduled opening date. In a statement, the producers of both shows said, quote, It is the intent to open these plays, both powerful, funny, and relevant dissections of Americana, in the spring of 2021 on the exact dates they were scheduled to open in 2020. However, we will only do so knowing that there are safeguards in place that will encourage audiences to return to the theater and that our government will allow us to have gatherings of more than 500 people. We, the producing team, believe that a vaccine is essential as part of that process, and we are hopeful that progress will be made in that area to ensure that artists and theatergoers will return to support this vital element of our theatrical heritage, the American play. 
This also ties into our news from yesterday that both Lincoln Center's Intimate Apparel and Flying Over Sunset would be pushing their respective openings to spring 2021, and that the Lehman Trilogy will be seeking a new house for its opening, even though it had already begun previews at the Nederlander Theater before the Broadway shutdown. We incorrectly reported that was because MJ the Musical would be heading there. MJ was at the Nederlander in Chicago, but will be playing at the Neil Simon if and when it makes its Broadway bow. I think we can only talk so much about moves like this without acknowledging, A, the current moment, and also what shows seemingly get to line up first for reopening. Why The Music Man? Why American Buffalo? Why The Minutes? Why, after so much call for this desired reckoning in theater, why after the Broadway League puts out a statement saying that they are committed to hearing Black voices and Black stories and allowing space for these stories to be heard, that still a year from now, we are already having, <laughs> we already have on the schedule the same old stories. In a Twitter thread, Jeremy O'Harris called out that in the last decade, only six new plays by Black writers have premiered on Broadway. Just as American as the aforementioned plays and those relevant dissections of Americana and that the theatrical heritage that the producer statement mentioned, then you start to break it down. I mean, how many Black women, how many Black trans women? I know we are all aching for some return to theater, and the league and producers are looking at shows that they can get back with certainty right now, but I think it says a lot that the first people who get an invite back to the table are the people who are always there anyway. But at least for now, we move on to some other COVID-19 related news. A day after the announcement that Disneyland will postpone its planned July 17th opening indefinitely due to a recent coronavirus spike in California, Actors Equity Association has released a statement calling for Walt Disney World in Florida to do the same. Mary McColl, executive director of Equity Rights, quote, if Disneyland has postponed, it is unclear how Walt Disney World can responsibly move towards reopening when coronavirus cases are much worse in Florida. For weeks, we have made it clear to Disney that testing is a fundamental part of maintaining a safe and healthy environment for everyone, from the guests to the cast. It is deeply disturbing that while coronavirus cases in Florida surge, Disney is refusing to provide regular testing to one of the few groups of workers in the park who by their very nature, by the very nature of their jobs, cannot use personal protective equipment. Now is the time for Disney to pause, focus on the science, and put the safety of their actors and stage managers first by making regular testing available. Cases in Florida went up 5% in one day as they experienced record spikes with the state reopening. Obviously, we are all team science over here all the way and also team safety for creatives. Postponing opening at any park seems like a no-brainer to me, but we will have news as it develops. Some other news that we didn't get a chance to discuss yet in the week, and that is down at Arlington, Virginia's Signature Theater. After an initial investigation into sexual assault allegations against co-founder and artistic director Eric Schaefer, Schaefer has announced his retirement from the organization. Schaefer's retirement comes on the heels of sexual assault charges by actors Thomas Keegan and Joe Carlson, including a recent post by Keegan that Schaefer had assaulted him at the 2018 Helen Hayes Awards. 
Following Keegan's posts, Signature shared a since-deleted statement on its website saying that they had launched an internal investigation after those initial allegations in 2018 and had concluded that those allegations were, quote, not credible. In his outgoing statement, Schaefer did not mention the allegations against him. Keegan, however, posted on Facebook following the announcement and wrote, quote, Eric Schaefer's resignation is more than a decade overdue. As the Black Lives Matter movement is proving, abuse of power is systemic, insidious, corrosive, and institutional. I believe that silence is complicity. The entire hierarchy of signature theater, to include the board and people I once called friends and colleagues, has aided and abetted a sacrilegious abuse of power, criminal activity, and depraved behavior in a theater that good, hardworking artists call home. Signature has not immediately announced an acting artistic director to serve in Schaefer's place, nor has it hired a permanent artistic director, of course, but has stated it is, quote, ensuring that the pool of candidates reflects diversity in race, gender, and ethnic background and professional experience. This inclusive selection process will be an important part of Signature's responsibility to increase diversity and anti-racism. Out with the old guard and in with the new. Some other news before we head into the weekend. Reported by American Theater, Arena Stage at the Mead Center for American Theater in Washington, D.C. has announced the launch of Artists Marketplace. The marketplace will, quote, connect art artists and their artistry directly with patrons, giving them the opportunity to commission or purchase work from the artists who have worked with Arena Stage. Initial artists in the project will include Kate Baldwin, Lisa Bruno, Marsha Mason, Nicholas Rodriguez, Don Ursula, and many others. An arena stage will add new artists over time. Those offerings will include personal concerts, greetings, original music compositions, one-on-one acting and vocal coaching, and more. You can view and learn about the marketplace by visiting the Arena Stage website at arenastage.org. And if you're starting to put together your streaming schedule for July, Broadway HD has released the schedule for its upcoming slate of content and pretty well curated explicitly for me, I might add. Leading the pack is the original Broadway cast recording of Stephen Sondheim's Sunday in the Park with George, starring Bernadette Peters and Mandy Patinkin. That, as well as Meet Me in St. Louis, starring the one and only Judy Garland, will make their way to the platform on July 1st. Then two versions of Sondheim's Into the Woods, including the original Broadway cast capture, also starring Bernadette Peters, as well as the West End revival from London's Regent's Park Open Air Theatre, will be released on July 9th. Other offerings include the platform debuts of Tom Stopper's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are Dead, including Richard Dreyfus, Tim Roth, and Gary Oldman on July 16th, London's West End production of Funny Girl starring Sheridan Smith on July 21st, and the feature-length documentary Leonard Soloway's Broadway on July 30th. The platform will also bring a Christmas in July celebration to its subscribers with a holiday-themed playlist featuring Goes Wrong Christmas Special and other titles like Irving Berlin's Holiday Inn, Nuncrackers, and the Royal Ballet's The Nutcracker. Sondheim and Christmas, as I said, especially specifically curated for me and me alone. I want to toss a few recommendations your way, some reading material for the weekend. First up, 
over at Exeunt New York City. Joey Sims has put together a piece entitled Stage Managing One Zoom at a Time, which reports on how the stage, how stage managing has shifted during the pandemic. Talks with Clarissa Ligon, Hannah Woodward, and Catherine Nelson, three freelance stage managers. It's a really interesting look at how some of these productions that have either shifted to online or have been conceived for online have been put together. Then friend and friend of the show, Jose Solis of Token Theater Friends, has put together an excellent piece on the problems of theater critics award shows like the Drama Dust, the Outer Critics Circle, the New York Drama Critics Circle. As we usually end up talking about here many times and every year when awards are announced for something like the Drama Desks, where Broadway and off-Broadway shows are combined, you usually see all these really interesting nominees and then very commercial, usually white, more often than not, Broadway winners. And so Jose breaks down, there are a lot of factors in that, like who the voters are, what they look like, who gets to be a theater journalist, how to get a seat at the table, and how many seats are even at that table. And then just the often secretive and seemingly inexplicable membership processes for all of these committees. So be sure to check that one out as well. And then finally, as part of the continuing Hamill week slash month slash year coverage, the New York Times' Michael Paulson has a piece about the show and how it made it to the small screen, which, as we know, was never really the plan, but also how the pro tape was put together, going through watching performances and reading the script to figure out the best angles, how sound was recorded, which was done through over a 100 microphones. They even talk about how the film editor uh, Jonah Moran had been completely unable to get a ticket to Hamilton until he was hired as the editor, which is equal parts funny and equal parts sad. And then, of course, how it even ended up on Disney Plus when Jeffrey Seller initially told Disney no. So essentially, any question you have about the Hamilton film can be found in this piece. As always, the links to those three pieces and everything I have mentioned in today's show are in the show notes. All right, that is all we have for you on this Friday and for this week. So thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. I will be off on both Monday and Tuesday as I will be marching on Sunday and finally moving on Monday. And if you've endured my terrible audio over especially this last week, well done. The fireworks and the street noise have been very loud and aggressive and the acoustics in my room have changed as I've been tearing it down for moving. But I will be in my non-street-facing apartment next week, so happiness and harmony. Until then, have a happy and safe weekend, everybody. Be kind to yourself and one another. Social distance. Wear your mask. Don't forget that Black Lives Matter and Black Trans Lives Matter. And Matt will be back to talk with you on Monday. (laughs) 